think the reason why there has been such a divide is because the finance world is so aggressive, um, very cutthroat, and it aligns a lot with a man's way of thinking. The reality is fintech is not that sexy. It is hard work, but it is super fun and fulfilling. Why? Because most of us are in a vulnerable financial position and suffer from money stress. So our job as fintechers is to come up with solutions. Welcome to Fintech Product, the place to be for career advice for women in fintech. I am Moni Millares and I've built a career building digital banks from scratch, both in the UK and Southeast Asia. I strongly believe in togetherness and I'm here to open up, share and bring fintech product and leadership experts together so that you don't have to start from scratch to thrive in your career in fintech. I'm Mexican British living in Asia and I'm recognized as Singapore 65 fintech product leaders and women in fintech. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of fintech product podcast. So today of course, we have an amazing product woman in fintech. Yay! Yay! And we've got, yay! <laughs> uh, and, and we've got Amna Hussein. Amna and I, we actually, we've met before. We used to work together when I was in Tandem Bank and we were in that process of building the bank, but she was working in Pfizer at the time. So it was kind of a partner fintech relationship. And now we're both in fintech and what I love about her profile a she's an amazing leader but then b she's got experience in non-product roles in product roles and not only within financial services so she's been in a range of industries so she's worked for Teradata, Pfizer, Read Exhibitions, VT and now Nomo so Amna it's a pleasure to have you in the show welcome Oh, I'm truly humbled by the introduction. Thank you very much, Moni. And I'm so excited to be here today. Oh, thank you. Me too. I'm thrilled to have you here. So I'll start with one of the most common questions that I get during mentoring. And you've lived through that. So the most common question I get is, hey, how do I move into product? I may or may not work in financial services, but I want to get into product. It's kind of sexy and cool. And I want to get into product. How do I do that? You used to work in project management before. So can you tell us a bit about your story and how did the transition happen? Absolutely. So I'll try and start from the beginning. Um, I was very much interested in project management. As you mentioned, it's where I started my career. So um, I was doing a sandwich course at university, which means you take a year out to go into industry before you come back and do your final year. And I, of course, I did it in uh, I did it as a junior project manager for Teradata. Um, very, very interesting. Loved it. I knew this is what I want to do after after university. Um, and I, I went into project management afterwards, and um, it was good. Uh, and I was looking for roles at the time as well. And I remember I, I was in touch with a, with a recruiter. And this is before, I guess, the product boom. Mm. And um, I kept going for like these typical kind of junior project manager roles. And she's like, there's a, there's a product role. You know, maybe you should just try it, go for it. And I was like, ah, 
Um, <laughs> she was like, no, no, really, I, I think you should go for it. And I did. And, you know, she asked me for my feedback and I was like, I, I'm not too sure if, if I'm the person they're looking for. I got the phone call on the same day saying, when can you start? And that was oh, cool. the start for me as um, within my, my product career. And since then, you know, the rest is history. I've, I've made a career out of it. Um, and I would say I get this question a lot as well from people who reach out to me, um, mentors, uh, mentees, sorry. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a very interesting one because a lot of the people that I know, and I'm sure it's the same for you, we got into product by accident. Um, and it, it, it was it was not planned. You know, most of my colleagues are like, yeah, we were doing something else before. You know, we got asked to do this. And it, it, it but now I feel like it's a very conscious decision. Yes. That yes. people are making. Um, so I, I think the key thing which made my transition from project management into product quite easy is you've got to recognize the skills that you're using it's very very similar so and, and that's what I love about both areas but more about product management is the skills are just so transferable yes um I, you know you mentioned that I've gone through different industries and that purely is because as a as a product person it's the skills that you carry with you that's really exciting because you can actually take them anywhere so what I say to people when they ask me that is don't necessarily look at the job description, look at the skills that it's asking you to have and that you yeah. will grow on because they will be 100% transferable um, and you'll be able to take them pretty much anywhere you go because as, as a product person, you are someone who's communicating, you're prioritizing um, and you need to do those things effectively, right? So I say, look at the skills and because they're transferable, it gives you that freedom to look at roles that really, really interest you, look at industries that really interest you. So, you know, if I'm talking to someone specifically, if they're, if they're younger, I'll say, you know, look at what excites you. Find yes. whether it's a company, whether it's a role, look at what looks interesting to you and go for it. Because if you do something that's interesting, you will excel in it, first of all. You're going to really enjoy building on those skills. Um, and it's just overall going to be a very enjoyable experience so that would be my advice to anyone saying you know how do I get into product is look at the skills that it's asking for build on them do whatever you need to 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 if you do feel you need to grow in a certain area you know go on courses whatever it might be um, and look at something that that seems enjoyable for you because it's not going to be the same as your friends or your other colleagues exactly yes I totally agree it's about yes enjoying what you do and then even if you don't at some point like find the joy right like yeah it's all in the mind so it's like yeah. if you stay curious you can enjoy even the most boring tasks so it's like enjoy exactly your, enjoy your work and try to to work in a, in a company that you and basically company and product that you enjoy building at the same time yeah and that can change over time right like you can start off exactly. doing a certain job a certain industry and you might find you know what I think I need a change. I think I'm I need to change like I'm done here I want to try something else that is absolutely fine like I said transferable skills you can take them anywhere exactly and, and I, I love that because that it's kind of like giving us a little bit of a glimpse of your leadership style you know so when we were reconnecting the other day I loved how you talked <laughs> about your core values and how you protect your team and I was like this is the type of leadership that we need to see more of 
like in the industry worldwide and in podcasts, you know, like that it's like showcased that it's like, hey guys, this type of leadership does exist and it does exist within the industry, especially within a male dominated industry. So can you expand on your leadership philosophy? Sure. <laughs> That's very kind of you, first of all. Um, so for me, I, as I've, um, as I've gone through the roles that I have, um, first of all, you have to recognize that you are a leader in some shape or form. Um, I think, you know, associating leadership with just your CEOs or your senior leadership team is, it, 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 obviously they are, you know, your leaders, but leadership is so much more than that. And it's so much wider than that. And I came to a point where I realized, actually, I've been a leader for the last maybe five years or so, because as a as a product owner, product manager, you are leading a team and that you team are. is made of people. Um, and that is sometimes the hardest thing to achieve when you're working um, in a professional environment. So I, you know, having that realization, it, it brings about the responsibility that you have to those people as well. Now, my typical leadership style is very much um, servant leadership. Yes. I fully believe, and I, I write about this all the time, I post about it all the time, you are there to serve your people as much as they are here to serve you. And when you think of particularly your product team, yes, they'll have their own line managers. Sometimes some of them may, um, they may align into you. Um, but at the end of the day, they are looking to you for guidance. Yes. What work there is, um, the day-to-day -day challenges that you might have, because in a lot of particularly product teams, you won't have like a, a scrum master. You've got to wear a lot True. of hats. Um, so you have to be there for your team. So yeah, it, it was that realization that I had that really brought about that responsibility and made me think about, okay, how do I ensure that my team is happy as well as us making the product a good thing as well? Um, so for me, my team absolutely come first. Um, and my team know this like I will defend them <laughs> to the end of time like um because you see them day in day out working hard and you know not no one comes into work wanting to do a bad job or anything and I think it's so important for you as a leader to really try and inspire them but also be there for them they have to know that you are there for them if they mess up you're there That's for them fine. if they're doing Actually, a good yeah. job exactly if, you, if they're doing a good job call it out like you have to have to be there for them and just feel like they are supported so for me it is about serving them uh, making sure they're all okay having one-on-one -on -one conversations with them um, and ensuring that they're, they're getting the best out of the role as well um, I've talked to a lot of people out of their role <laughs> because I want the best for them even though I've had to take the hit and you know it means yeah. that they leave my team honestly I'm like as long as you are getting what you need and you're happy I I prefer that um, so, yeah, I, I, I love it. And, you know, coming into a team and knowing that they are happy and they feel supported and they're just happy with you. Right. I, I think that that's very important yeah. that as a leader, they need to be happy with you. And if they're not, you need to reflect, OK, what's going on and keeping that communication yes. channel open. Yes. Um, but also one thing that I really want to reflect on is inclusiveness as a leader mm. so yeah. you've got to make sure like diversity and inclusion is a huge thing right but what does that actually mean you know what does it mean when you're going out with as a team and you're going somewhere where someone can't drink someone can't eat yes. the food 
with the restaurant you're going to, someone can't really partake in the activities that you want to do. You've got to make sure that everyone is included uh, and try your best at it. And I feel the world that we live in today, as leaders, you should be really conscious of your team, you know, understand them as people. Do they have a family? Do they have other commitments? You know, do they need to go and do the school run? Of course. How do you accommodate? You know, time zones is a huge thing, right? How many of us work with a team that are just scattered around the world? I I, I think it's been years since I've had a team that's just been under one roof. Um, so we have to be conscious of people just have lives outside of work and that's fine. That is okay. Um, I do not expect any of my team members to act as if they don't have a family. They don't have other things to look after. Um, so really just trying to understand it and accommodate it. And what you find then is when you're making, um, when you're accommodating for these things, people are so much more engaged. They want to come in. They want to do their best because they know, look, we've got someone behind you supporting us. You know, why wouldn't they? So for me, it's all about serving leadership. Yes. And and you raise a very good point because if I reflect on my journey, the times where I enjoy the work the most and the times where I dislike the work the most is when the team competition, when I love the team that I'm working with, I'm having so much fun. And yes, we have deadlines, this and the other, but like you say, like we've got each other's back and we laugh during the day and it's hard and something mess up, but like we still laugh, right? Those it's, it's very different when you go to work happy because you're working with with a team that a you don't have fear that they are going to scream at you if you mess up it's more of a hey well it's part of the process how do we fix it <laughs> and and like yeah it's like that interaction is very fulfilling i think and it does impact the quality of your work definitely if you have it it puts you in high performance and the opposite when you don't have it and you're in a toxic or semi-toxic environment, it does impact your your ability to perform well in, on the negative side. And it impacts mental health and like body, yeah. like it impacts everything. So it's super important. Absolutely. Either way, it's a direct correlation. Um, exactly. And it, that's not nice because as much as we like to say, you know, once we log off, that's it. no exactly the mind mind doesn't switch you do think about these things why because we're professionals we care about what we do and like I said everyone comes to work wanting to do a good job um so absolutely it does impact us and you know being being in a toxic environment it's going to have a negative impact whether you like it or not um and even if you're a strong person as well you know and this is a point I want to put out there you could be the strongest person ever um but if you're in an environment that is just not nice it is going to impact you yes yes I think we all agree on that and it's important to say it right because people who have gone through that experience know it but people that maybe encountered that experience for the very very first time they may think, oh, no, it's something wrong with me. I'm not tough enough. It's like, no, you are tough enough and there's nothing wrong with you. It's just that it's a difficult environment. Therefore, yeah. it will impact you because yes. we're humans. <laughs> yes, we take that. things personally a lot, yeah. I think. And, you know, we say, okay, maybe I could have done better here. I could have done better. But the truth is you're doing the best you can. And a lot of the times the stuff that's happening at work just isn't right. 
it, it's not right. It shouldn't be happening. And unfortunately, you're there to deal with it. Um, so you do need to take a moment to yourself and, you know, and I've done this many times, take a step back and think, is it really me or is it just something else at hand that I can't control and it's just something I need to deal with, deal with the yeah. best I can? Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So a beautiful scenario that it's like that could basically test your your servant leadership and being nice with a team is in fintechs. We tend to work with very unreasonable deadlines. How do you maintain your cool <laughs> with the <a> team <laughs> when it's unreasonable <laughs> deadlines and you're still having that style? So that's kind of one part. How did you do that? And then the other one is from a more practical perspective, how did you manage those unreasonable deadlines? Yeah, it's a very good question. So I think when it comes to the team, it's it has to be open communication. Like I try and be as open as I can and say, look, you know, this is the deadline that's coming. Let me give you the context. Let me help you understand why this is such a yes. big deal. And often when we do that, And, you know, we talk about why this is a big deal. We'll turn around and say, well, actually, maybe it's not such a priority as that person's thinking. Or, no, okay, I get it. Like, this really is important. You have to build that understanding with your team. And they've got to understand why you are being asked to do something in a certain time frame. Because they're going to want to aid you through it, right? Yeah. Um, because you need you need your team. You can't do it alone. Um, so I, otherwise, if they don't understand it, what you then get is um, just not not a good vibe, and they're gonna almost not rebel, but because they have yeah. that lack of understanding, they they're like, well, I don't yeah, want to do it. You know, exactly. like, do you know what I mean? Not, yes, it's kind it, of it's, that it's vibe not, of like it's not that urgent. Exactly. But even with like, you know, explaining something nicely to them, even that doesn't cut it sometimes because your team aren't stupid. They know that actually this shouldn't be a priority. And that's what I'm saying. You know, you have to have that open communication with them. So you both, both parties understand, yeah, this is a requirement. This needs to be done now. And if not, then it's your job to, to go back and say, well, actually, I've spoken to the team and we, we think, we think this can not. maybe hold off for a little bit. Exactly. Yes. Because I think even senior leadership, they have to understand that they have hired or have had a, had a hand in hiring experts. They are there for a reason. This is exactly why. Um, so you've got to take our word for it. And I'm more than happy to give back, you know, stats, figures and say, look, this is why. And, and you should absolutely be doing that as um, as a team leader or whatever you might be. Um, but you've got to be able to communicate that back and forth um, because it's only fair. Um Practically, how how I've made that work within the team is, you know, like I mentioned, having that open communication, but that pushback, it's very important. So I'm always communicating to the team, look, guys, if anyone's asking you to do work, you've got to make sure you've got all the information that you need. And also we're, get, we're giving back the information also. Um, so, yeah, I think it just comes down to very, very open communication throughout the levels um, yes. in fintechs you'll know especially startups you may be dealing directly with your SLT with your CEOs um, so it becomes even more important to have that open communication throughout as well um, and yeah it, it's being able to say no but why but exactly what, yes. why are we saying no yeah cool I love that because yes as a product person you need to learn to 
negotiate. Like it is like the when to push back, when not to push back, when you receive pushback from the team, when to accept it and when to push back again. And then to be like, hey, leadership team, like push back, push back. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's in the back dog. It's in the back dog. <laughs> it's like, it will get there. Yeah. And also, yeah. And you have to also understand why your team are, are trying to push back as well. Again, it comes back to having communication with the team and it may be something quite small. They may actually need some extra time. They may actually need some help to, yes. you know, th they may be saying no because they're nervous because they think, oh, I've got to do this part on my own and figure it out and, you know, give it back to Amna so she can go report. So the easier yes. thing to do is just say, look, no, 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 just put it in the backlog. So exactly. you need to understand what their needs are. What what can they do to achieve the goal that we've set out as well? And yes. again, it's your job to try and enable them the best that you can. Um, so understand why your team is saying no is very important. Yes, and I guess it sums up to that because then you said you at the beginning you said communicate, then I said negotiate. But actually, what you do when you're like communicating, negotiating, it is you are understanding. Basically, yes. you're understanding why the company needs those timelines and what needs to get done to get that timeline or not, and the priorities and understanding the person in front of you. Like you said, like coming back to servant leadership, it may be that hey that week the I don't know like the child is sick the whole weekend usually they good work until very late but you know like that yeah. week is not visible and then yeah. it's about understanding the whole context so that then as a team you can make the the kind of like the best decision for the team of course you as a product lead you have to take the accountability but it's not a dictatorship it's a hey taking into account everyone Absolutely. And I often think of myself as a, as a product manager, you like our human bridge, you know, that business is very like, you know, very corporate, you know, we need this, it's, it's very um, arbitrary, right? Um, and then you come to your team, which is like the complete opposite, you know, they're like, there's a lot of emotion there. So you've got to be that human bridge of, okay, I understand that. I understand that. Okay, how to be, how to be me in the middle and how to be all understand. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The other question that I get a lot is, uh, and, and this has been like a specific question that I get that it's like, oh, product in fintech is not like product in the books. <laughs> but I found when I got that when I got that message, I was like, that is spot on. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is your experience in as a product manager in fintech versus other industries or other type of, let's say, financial services company? So this is a very good question because when I when I finished up at BT and you know my ex colleagues would ask me oh how's it going you know you're at that new fintech the one question that I said to everyone for like the first six months is it's just so different it's so different <laughs> <laughs> they're like what do you mean I'm like I I just I, don't I can't know, explain I can't it explain. it's just so different you know <laughs> and um. So there's a couple of things, right? It's it's so heavily reliant on regulations. Like that is one of the um one of the first things you probably have to be aware of. You don't have to know every single regulation because obviously, you know, I'm I'm pretty new into fintech. I, I don't have financial services knowledge as anyone who's an expert in the field would, but you've got to be aware of it. So I remember when I, I did come in and I 
said to my my manager at the time, I said, look, um, I want to add value because it's a new industry for me. Um, you know, how, how will I do that? Um, and she goes, actually, you know, there's someone you can talk to. So I got put in touch with someone who had spent their career within um, financial services, lovely lady, and um, she became my mentor uh, for a little bit. So I, I asked, you know, tell me basically what I need to 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 add value as best as I can, but stay you know within the rules and everything and she was like look regulation is your best friend you've got to be aware of them and know how it's going to impact your product everything else will follow but that is one thing you've got to be aware of so I would say within fintech that is very very important because you know we're all aware of the FCA regulations all of that stuff you know one one little trip up and that could mean huge fine for exactly if you're not complying with something that is that that's one of the biggest things uh, that you definitely have to be aware of um and i think it's it's generally a very very competitive world um if you look at how far fintech has come in the last even two three years right like yeah, our, our contactless yeah. limit in the uk has it went from God, I think it was like 30 pounds before now yes, you know it went up because you know we didn't want any contact with people during COVID um so many things that have spurred changes but it, it's just so so different I mean I always say to people like before digital banking was a thing and fintechs were growing we would do about 90% of our banking in a branch now it literally is the other side other way around like right it is yeah, and look how quickly all of that happened. So I think one of the biggest differences is just you really, really have to be aware of what's going on around you. It's And I know that's the case for a lot of products. I think fintech is something that it now impacts so many more people. You know, it, it really is a global thing. You know, everyone does digital banking now, nearly everyone. You know, people's grandparents now do digital banking because they've been forced to we do it. Do. So I, I exactly right um well, we may do it on their behalf or whatever but it, because it impacts so many people now you just have to be so aware of what's going on um like for me for example when I started working for um uh for Nomo I didn't realize how many people were actually aware of Sharia banking it, it's it, it's it's an upcoming it's thing and, and yes. it's a thing right and and people are aware of it because I had messages from people saying oh you know what what's your proposition because you know we know about sharia banking we're actually interested in it whatever and these were like non-muslims reaching out to me as well at the time Interesting. um so it's yeah you just have to be aware of of things around you a lot more because it is such a huge beast that's growing it is at a very, in these very fast parts pace. of the world let's say malaysia like southeast asia there's a lot of it's it's a large muslim community so yeah it is growing it is growing. Islamic banking is growing and has potential. I, I noticed that like you you told this story about your manager introducing you to another lady, basically, and then she became your mentor. What? I think that's like, for me, mentorship is super important. And yes. at the same time, it's like men, women, like it doesn't matter like if, if your mentor is a man or a woman. But at the same time, I think it's important for us as women to to give a voice to the challenges yes. that other women may be having in the industry a and then b for all the girls that are just finishing uni 
or you know they've been they've had a few years in their career and they are about to enter the industry because it's cool and sexy and yeah everybody wants to go in I think people need to go in with their eyes wide open as we change the industry for the better so in your opinion what are the challenges that we as women have in fintech that you need to be like hey that may happen that's a tough question that's a very tough question it's it's a tough question but I I love talking about this um and so I'm going to talk about it in fintech terms but also generally as well so with fintech specifically I think it is definitely an area we need to focus on because it's been male dominated for forever right Um, and I think it's only now that we are starting to see women come into the industry and it kind of I guess balancing out a little bit Um, now there are two different challenges I feel there is obviously that being up against your male counterparts how do we do that and it's not a competition, but how do we, how are we seen, I guess? And that ties into my second point, which is the challenges within oneself. Yes, that's what I was about to say. Yes. Yeah, because it, it all ties in. And I think the reason why there has been such a divide is because the finance world is so aggressive, um, very cutthroat, and it aligns a lot with, a man's way of thinking I suppose in their psychology mm-hmm. and as women because I've, I've done I've done a bit of research into this because I this was part of my own self-development so I'm huge in self-development yeah. and I really wanted to understand okay what what it is that I can do to help myself yes. and I I think once you start to chip away at this it doesn't really matter which industry you go to um but sometimes the challenges are a lot more in your face, like fintech, you know, being male-dominated and everything. Other industries, maybe not so much. But um, what I found, and I definitely aligned with this, is um, the way that women behave at work doesn't always benefit them. So when you think about when we apply for a job, right, there's been loads of studies on this. When mm, we apply for a yes. job, we look at a job description, and women need to be able to basically tick everything on that job description to apply to it. Whereas a man will look at it and get to about 50% and say, oh, okay, I can do some of those I'll things. Do I'm still going to apply for it. Yes. And you know what happens? They get the job. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes, they get it. it. And um, there was actually a book um, that was written, which was, um, don't quote me on this, but it, I think the title was What Got You Here Won't Get You we'll There. Get you there. Yes. Yes. So, you know, they talk about all of these um, characteristics that people need to um, see within themselves and address so that they can get their next promotion, whatever it is. But what they found is those characteristics were very much aligned with men. It, it wasn't general. And then there was another book that came out, which is all to do with female characteristics. So it was very much aimed at the female mind and how we act. And I think there's 13 characteristics there. And all of them, I'm sure we can all attest to at some point in our careers. And some of them mentioned things like not um, promoting yourself enough. So not actually putting your hand up and saying, I did that. Yeah. Females have a problem with saying, I did that instead of my team did that. Or just like I mentioned, we with, did with, that, yeah, 
instead it's, of I. we did it you know um because we feel very shy we feel like we're going to be showing off um and it's not it's not true it's not you know showing it, off it's not showing it's off. not showing yeah. off you, you have achieved it's a fact it, you, you have, have achieved, achieved this. that you were the, yeah like, you were the lead and it's your achievement as a leader exactly exactly like go and talk about it um it doesn't mean that you're showing off so i think especially with younger females i would say or anyone really but especially those who you know breaking into the field or the industry um maybe a bit nervous to do this just do it talk about your achievements yes. you know because that is how you're going to be seen and recognized and that's how we're going to start to level up uh, we have to market ourselves Yes, and the very first step to do that is, I'm also big in, in self-development, so the very first step to do that is to see that in you and to recognize yes. that that is your achievement. I like having a list of what I call the micro wins. It's like every, I journal once in a while, not every day, but it's like, hey, my micro win of the day. Oh yeah, oh, yesterday I went trekking and I had 20, I did 20K steps. I'm like, whoop, whoop. Yep. micro win in my exercise journey but what that's doing is it's training the mind to see all the achievements that you have day by yep. day day by day so you start seeing yourself as a person that achieved that rather than rather than not right exactly it's like it exactly. starts going into your consciousness such that then you can communicate it but first you have to acknowledge that and see exactly. yourself as a person that made it happen you're doing things right I, I'm a huge list person so with small things and big things I like to have a list and tick things off that I'm doing during the day and I physically write them I'm just someone who likes to physically tick something off because it makes me it's a win and it has been scientifically proven as well like if I'm like I mean I'll have a list anyway but if I'm having a bit of a rubbish day and I'm like oh I don't feel like I've achieved something I'll get my pen and uh, paper out I'll make a list of even if it's mundane tasks, because the day to day, there's a lot of things that you do that you don't, you know, perhaps even realize, but they're really key to do. So I make a list of things that I've got to do and even things that I've already done. So I'll kind of retrospectively look back and say, oh, look, I did that. I can take it off. So it makes me feel like, you know what, I've actually done something. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. You have to see within yourself what your worth is and just go for it. And I absolutely go yes. for it. I love it. That's a beautiful way to finish the episode. It's been a pleasure having you in the show. Where can we find you and your podcast? So I, first of all, it has been an absolute pleasure being on. Thank you so much for having me. Mommy. Thank you. Um, I'm on LinkedIn um, and I also have a podcast of my own called A Girl in the Product World. So check it out. Exactly. Exactly. And of course, I'll put the links uh, in, the, in the podcast comments. Everyone, it's been an absolute pleasure pleasure do reach out to Amna and myself we both do mentoring so if you are listening reach out okie dokie everyone see you next week ciao ciao hello again it's been an absolute pleasure I learned tons from this conversation and hopefully you gained some insights knowledge or inspiration it could mean the world if you follow share and rate the show because it gives me feedback And remember, if you have fintech, product, career, or life direction questions, reach out. 
I'm always happy to help. Go to my LinkedIn page, Monica Millares, and send me a connection request. DM me and book time for a free mentoring session. See you next week. Ciao, ciao.